the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Underway for a Friday edition of the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. I am in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, yesterday we went and saw the Ark. That was fantastic. Also uh, went out on uh, one of the paddle boats uh, here and in Louisville and went up and down the Ohio River. Had a little bit of, of something to eat and enjoyed ourselves out on the Ohio River and the crash last night. Uh, got to get all packed up today. We, I'm basically packed right now. And uh, Linda will be getting up in just a few moments and getting herself ready. And then we'll all board the bus uh, here in uh, in Louisville at about oh, 8.30-ish uh, uh, your time and start making the trip home. So I'll be back in the studio on Monday, talk a little bit about the trip on Monday. If you want to see pictures of the trip, just go to Facebook. Go to the Dave Ellswick Show, and I know uh, I've been sending pictures to Elizabeth. She's been posting them, and uh, check out the uh, the sunset on the Ohio last night. It was absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. And the folks that went on this trip, when we got to uh, the Ark Encounter, the first, I can just tell you this, the first time they saw it, the people who have never gone and seen it before were just, totally in awe of how big that thing is. It is the biggest wooden structure uh, in the world. Incredible when you're there. It is just incredible. All right, Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law, is with us as well today. Chris Corbett is out. He is in a conference uh, doing his lawyerly thing. And uh, Robert, of course, being the teacher that he is, his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect that of Bowen School of Law or the university to which it's attached. So, Robert, good morning. How are you doing? Great to be here, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fine. You know, I've, we've been getting up uh, early uh, and doing the show every morning on this uh, trip that we've been on and been having just a, a wonderful time. The trip has been an unmitigated success. We've got a couple of more short trips coming up uh, later on this year, and we're uh, I'm sitting down with Gina from Little Rock Tours, and we will plan a uh, a bigger trip for next year and start telling everybody about it sometime towards uh, the fall of this year, so people can get themselves ready for it, and uh, you know they can sign up for it, they can get in if they need to. Uh, do a payment plan, things of that nature, so they can go. So 
it would be a great time when whatever we decide to do. I, I'm thinking we're going to go, well, we're either going to go to revolu- revolutionary battle sites or we're going to go out uh, to the West where a lot of people never get to go and uh, maybe you know, see the Grand, uh, not the Grand Canyon, but see Yellowstone again and and uh, some different things out there. So that'd be good. Maybe we'll be uh, maybe we'll be on our way out to Yellowstone and the uh, that super volcano will go off or something and really give hmm. us a, a visual uh, excitement. But anyway, we'll be planning on the next big one. How can I say? It's ten minutes after six. All right. There's some excitement in Washington D.C. I, I think it's probably excitement that uh, is not going to give us much, uh, uh, how do you put it, uh, it's not going to give us anything of consequence. Uh, some Republicans, ten, I think 10 Republicans and uh, 10 Democrats uh, in the Senate have come together and put together a bipartisan, a truly bipartisan deal uh, about infrastructure. But I don't to see the the president biting on it, uh, Robert, because it's it's worth under a uh, trillion dollars, and it's all about you know when you say infrastructure, the typical uh, uh, definition of infrastructure uh, in roads, bridges, uh, you know things of that nature, real infrastructure, not what the the left talks about infrastructure as social infrastructure as well, daycare and all the rest. Uh, they're not including any of that. And I think that's going to make it non-starter with the president. So, um, and he's over in, he's over there in uh, uh, Britain now, you know, given the, the prime minister what for, because he's not, you know, he's not liberal enough for uh, Biden. So anyway, uh, that's going to be an unmitigated disaster as well. I mean, We've got our our number one ally in the Middle East is Israel, and Biden gives them the back of the hand all the time. And now he's over in the, the U.K. doing the exact same thing. And I, I just don't get the American people putting this guy in office. He is just he's just such a loser. I don't get it. So uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about that infrastructure thing. Do you think that uh, – these 20 senators will be able to get anything through, even though it's bipartisan? Of course, I don't know, uh, is the short answer. And by that, I mean there's enough up in the air that it's very hard to make a prediction on this. What is What we do know is that the so-called infrastructure bill that was sponsored by Biden and the leftists is not an infrastructure bill. Very, a very small percentage of it goes to actual infrastructure, and the rest is just social spending. Now, we know that the left right. likes to engage in social spending, <clears throat> uh, but the problem <clears throat> here, excuse me, uh, is that they, they masquerade it. They hide it. They cheat. This is not uncommon for the left. And so they masquerade... Uh, their social spending and social engineering, by the way, uh, as infrastructure, because it is true that conservatives and uh, Democrats tend to have some agreement 
on spending on infrastructure, bridges, roads, etc., even Internet infrastructure, because we believe those are good investments for the country. We mean yeah, like broad, broadband. Right. Yeah, broadband is a perfect example. That's infrastructure that, as well. That's right. And so uh, uh, the left knows that that would pass, but it doesn't pursue their social engineering. And so they not so subtly bury a huge amount of social engineering in their infrastructure bill, by the way, much bigger than the actual infrastructure spending. So uh-huh. uh, that's that's why we've had these objections. Uh, so we'll see what happens. By the way, let me say, I've been talking recently, as I often do, but uh, talking recently with a number of state legislators, and one of the topics that we've been talking about is how in this state, uh, we haven't done as good a job as we can in keeping spending uh, in check, and that conservatism uh, means the important issues that we generally talk about, the social issues, guns, those types of issues, but it also means making sure that we don't throw away the taxpayers' hard-earned money. Now, you and I, and several legislators, mind you, have talked about that issue repeatedly on this show, but I think that issue is going to continue to gain steam amongst legislators. And when we come to the next election, which is going to be a big election because everybody's up, right, because of the census, there's right. there's no uh, – that everybody's being reelected. Usually we reelect – uh, what I think half of the Senate, because the other half gets reelected in the next election. It's intentionally a staggered system, the same way the federal system is a staggered system, so that there's built-in continuity. We have an election every two years, but senators have seats for four years. Not this coming term, not in two years from now, a little less than two years from now, because uh, the census recreates all of the seats for the Senate, and as a consequence, Nobody has a seat. The person who was elected just two years ago, for example, our good friend Dan Sullivan, who who was elected two years ago, he's up for re-election in two years, even though he's a senator and he has a wouldn't otherwise have a normally would normally otherwise have a four-year term. That's for everyone. I just use him as an example because he's our good friend. Well, so everybody's up. Now's our opportunity. To make sure we get rid of the of the stinkers, of the non-voters, of the people who don't do their job. I've named names before. I'll name names again. James Sturt, uh, um, uh, Senator Eads, um, Senator English. We've got to get rid of them. Sorry. Got to go. Uh, we've got to get Chris Corbett uh, in office. There are... Uh, um, uh, and we have got to focus on people who don't do their job by voting present or who don't vote at all. Uh, and we've got to make sure that we vote and get into office people who are physically conservative, economically conservative, in addition to all of the other important issues that we continue to talk about. Well, I think that the main fact is we need to elect people. Uh, for the Republican ticket that adhere to the principles of our platform. One of those is smaller government, which means controlled spending. You want to reduce government, not grow government, because the more you grow government, the more you got to feed the monster, which means you got to go out and figure out ways to get 
more money. Uh, I understand cutting taxes, specifically on people's payrolls, but we've got to be careful of the folks that want to pay for that by raising fees and taxes in other areas, which really is just going to be passed on to the average Arkansan in their day-to-day living. Let's talk more about it when we come back. It's 17 after uh, 6 in the morning here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be leaving here in a couple of hours uh, with our uh, our uh, 38 other uh, uh, our other uh, uh, listeners here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, it's going to be a, a great trip back. And then on Monday, I'll be back in the studio. But right now, a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is with me as well. Typically, Chris Corbett is also with us, but he will not be today because he's at a conference. So uh, he's taking care of learning about, you know, lawyerly kind of things that he uh, deals with on a day-to-day basis. And since I don't pay that, you know, a really high salary for being part of my show, (laughs) read that, that I don't pay anything. Uh, (laughs) The bottom line is uh, he just can't be with us today. Uh, Robert and I, if you just joined us, Robert and I have been discussing uh, our principles of the Republican Party here in Arkansas. And one of those principles, it's about number four, number five, is limited government. Limited government. That means we have enough government to do what absolutely must be done, but that's it. That's where it stops. Uh, and right now, the government of Arkansas is bloated. It does. It tries to do too much, and because of that, it costs too much. And when it costs too much, you're taking money out of uh, your paycheck. Now, they have been trying to reduce sometimes, uh, you know, the taxes on your paycheck. But what happens is that they do, uh, they want to have the same amount or more money coming into the state coffers. So what they do is they kind of balance, they try to balance it out. And this is what I mean by that. They'll reduce the taxes on your paycheck. But whatever they reduce on your paycheck they try to make it up somewhere else within the budget. For instance, maybe what happens, and this is this is a uh, you know me talking. It's they haven't done this, but I'm just saying this is the way they think. Okay, here's what we'll do: we can make up the lost what they consider lost revenue from your taxes by making uh, your fishing and hunting license. $10 more a year. So they, they get all that money coming in from fishing and from hunting. Here's my problem with that, that whole, uh, you know, they call it, here's the words that they use. And, and it started basically during the Bush administration. It was a, a term the Republicans came up with called revenue neutral. And that meant, yeah, we'll cut the taxes on people but we'll raise taxes on other things and we'll get the same or a little bit more revenue from this other side and uh, that we lose from, uh, you know, direct taxation of the people's checks and things of that nature. 
what that means is that you are having money put in your right pocket and then the government takes it out of your left pocket. So government doesn't get smaller. Government, in fact, at times gets bigger. So we got to move away from this whole concept of revenue neutrality and understand that the only way that you make government shrink is by starving it. Uh, you got to cut off the money that's running the programs. So, Robert, you're there. Let's talk a little bit about this. How do we convince uh, the Republican Party of uh, Arkansas to move away from revenue neutral thinking, which is a national type of thinking, and think state thinking and think about Arkansans in specific of how to save them money? So uh, I'll, I'll turn it to you for that. Well, there, here's the key to revenue neutrality. Let me say that again. Revenue neutrality. Is there two ways to have revenue neutrality? One is the one you described, which is not the good one. That is, oh, so uh-huh. you reduce taxes in one pocket and you increase taxes in the other pocket. And the last time I checked, when I leave the house, my pants have two legs and four pockets. So you're not doing me any benefit. But the That's other correct. way, right? And the other way to reduce uh, to have revenue neutrality is to cut spending. Uh, and that's yeah, exactly well. the issue that we talked about before the break. And as I said, I was speaking with, uh, um, um, I'm in, in a group of, you know, uh, uh, a little over a dozen uh, state uh, legislators uh, that regularly meet. And we were discussing how we cut spending. That's the key here. That's Dave. exactly right. I agree. Uh, big, yeah, well, of course you do, because you're a sound fiscal conservative. Now, this isn't a tough notion, but you've got to be able to make uh, some version of the following statement that too many politicians are unwilling to make. Now, these are the same politicians that, when called to vote on a controversial topic, don't show up, vote present, uh, don't vote, uh, all the things that demonstrate them to be Wind socks, you know, that's the uh, flag that you put up uh, outside to see which direction the wind is going. Uh, so they go with the wind instead of going with a conviction. Uh, but the way to cut spending is being able to say, look, there are a lot of things that a lot of people want, and they would like to get them from any source, be it from family, be it from work, be it from the government. But the fact is, the government can't be all things to all people because then it's um, bad things to most people, meaning a bad thing because it's sapping our energy, it's sapping our income, it's sapping our vitality. It's like a giant tick on the back of a golden retriever, or maybe I should say a lab here in Arkansas. I think that's the unofficial dog of the state. I love those labs. In any event, uh, so the government is a giant tick sucking us dry. Uh, Yeah, so we get to go play in the field with a giant tick on our back. That ain't good. So guess what? Government can only do so much, and that's it. And the rest has to be done by you, family, community, church, whatever. And guess what? Also, some things you may not actually get in your lifetime. 
something right. may Hold be on. unattainable. Hold on. Yep. We're running out of time. We've got to come up in the news. Let's uh, yes, take sir. a breath. And then when we come back, we'll continue this discussion because it's a very important discussion. It, it is two different political philosophies. More on that in a moment. Okay, we are back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm down up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we'll be leaving from here in about, uh, what is it, uh, two hours, and uh, making our way back to uh, Arkansas and Little Rock and our families. And uh, we've had a great trip. We went, uh, of course, to Branson uh, earlier in the week, and we went and saw the uh, – production of Sight and Sound of Jesus. We went and saw the Clay Cooper show. We went and saw the Jersey Boys, and uh, which was basically a retrospect of music in the early 60s, all of the uh, Four Seasons music and, you know, the Shondells and, and things of that nature. It was uh, a lot of fun and a good show as well. And then we got on the bus, uh, got on the motor coach and made our way up uh, through Kentucky, uh, Missouri into Kentucky. And uh, we got here on a Wednesday evening, and on th yesterday, uh, we headed out to the Ark Encounter. We went and saw the Ark, a life-size uh, replica of Noah's Ark, which is absolutely amazing. If you have never done it, you got to. Uh, I think that we'll probably do one of those trips every year for a couple of years, just until we can get as many people as we can to go see it. And then uh, we turned around... Uh, and went out on the riverboat last night on the Ohio River, and and go to my Facebook page. You go, you go to Facebook, go to Dave Ellswick Show, and I got pictures of the trip on it uh, that I took. And I got a picture that, that here's what Elizabeth said: "Your picture of the sunset on the Ohio took my breath away." So you got you got to see this picture. It's awesome, and uh, it was a, just a beautiful way to end. Uh, the the things that we've been doing on the trip this week. So uh, we'll be back uh, in Arkansas later on today. It's about a you get uh, you get in the motor coach and you stop for lunch, stop for a couple of breaks along the way. I'll let you do six or four, and uh, you, you know it takes about eleven hours to get back. So we'll be back later on this evening. I think they told me uh, sometime between six forty-five and. And 7.30 is when we're looking to get back. But be listening to the show because we got other uh, plans for other trips, uh, shorter trips for you to go. We're going to do one to Fort Worth, South Fork Ranch, Big John Wayne exhibit, President Bush's library, and then uh, one at, towards the end of the year where we're going to go to New Orleans and go to the World War II Museum. <clears throat> Excuse me. The World War II Museum there. So it's going to be a good time. But let's get back and talk some more about what Robert and I were talking about. Something uh, really important and that I'm hoping that the, the next person that we elect governor here the, in the state of uh, Arkansas, whether that's Sarah or it's uh, Leslie, uh, but it's going to probably be a woman and both of them are very conservative, is that we, we may see them get away from revenue, revenue neutrality, which we talked about, to smaller government which is what our, of course, principles say in the platform uh, for the Arkansas Republican Party. Here's the big deal, uh, Robert, when you start talking about that. You've got to get enough politicians around and together thinking the same way 
and start talking about what programs do we have here in the state that in a small form may be necessary but have grown to such an extent that they need to be pared back. But you got to have some intestinal fortitude to do that because you're going to make some people upset about it. Uh, some people are not going to like it. And so uh, you you got to make up your mind about what you're going to do. Well, that's exactly right, Dave. Uh, the fact is that you can't be government, to be clear. When I say you, government can't be all things to all people because then it is never the right thing for the population. Why? Because when I say all things to all people, that what kind of giveaway can government give to any individual? But it's not free. Nothing's free. And so when you say, oh, well, I have this program for you and I have this program for you. And politicians like to say how they're giving special targeted spending to different groups when they meet with them. But they don't talk about how everybody winds up paying for it. And Mm -hmm. our taxes are enormous. I say that generally, by the way. Our taxes as Americans are are enormous. If you live anywhere, you have high taxes because federal taxes are high, state taxes are high, property taxes are high. And here in Arkansas, we're higher than other states. We're not. A lot higher. Right. So it's really a little bit odd that my sister, who lives in Massachusetts, pays less in income tax, you know, leftist Massachusetts, liberal Massachusetts, pays less in income tax than I do. I'm not talking about the dollar amount. I'm talking about the rates. The rates are less in Massachusetts than they are here. And it's not like my property tax is lower. So where's the savings? There isn't a savings. Property tax is high. The sales tax is high. The income tax is high. All of that needs to be lowered. Now, of course, now, I've heard enough. Go ahead. Yeah, let's, go ahead. let's expand this just a little bit because it's something people need to watch for. If the state decides that they're going to cut back somewhere and they're going to reduce government and some of that money has been flowing into city coffers, city government coffers, or into county coffers. Uh, I think everybody would agree if you look at what your sales tax is now in the area of the state that you particularly uh, live in, uh, it has gone up where some, some of the state spending and state taxation has gone down a little bit. And so you've got to keep your eye on the ball, on every ball. It's kind of like watching a guy that used to be on television who spins the plates on the sticks, and he gets them all going, and the one at the very end, you get it going, and the one that you started at the beginning now is starting to slow down, and you got to run back and speed it up again, right? And you, and you, so you're, right. Run, you're, you're running around watching all of these revenue streams because what will happen is they'll keep raising revenue streams to placate the spending that they feel that they're losing and the money that they they deem necessary for their particular area. I'll give you a good example. Cabot. Cabot now, the, the sales tax is over 
That's incredible. That's crazy. You go That's out, crazy. Yeah, you go out, go out, go out to Wall. You know, go out to one of the fast food uh, burger joints. Spend twenty dollars. Two dollars more is added to that in taxes. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's it's, you know you got to watch that kind of stuff because you're going to be paying a whole lot more money in taxes. That's that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. And it's really absurd to think about. Yeah, look around the city. Ten percent of your spending goes to what's going on in the city. It's it's so over and above because there's such bloat, particularly at the city level. And then the other problem is, and Senator Dan Sullivan has pointed this out on numerous occasions, the other problem is that the state collects money from the localities, processes that money, I put that in air quotes because we're on the radio, processes that money, and then sends it back to the localities. Uh, You think that's free? We call that in economics uh, transaction cost. Do you think that's free? You know, a bunch of bureaucrats that get paid to do that. So the $10 comes from a locality of the state. $3 gets spent on shuffling that money around to various offices, meaning to do nothing. It's like when you have prisoners break rocks so that you once had big rocks, now you have small rocks. Are you any better off? No, you just have small rocks. So you break the rocks of the locality's money, and then guess what you do with it? You send it back to localities. And the state determines which locality to send the money to. So there's uh-huh. cronyism, there's favoritism, there's corruption, all the f- to remove from government. Why don't we just leave the money where it is, in taxpayers' pockets, so they can decide what they want to do? I remember I was in the government building years ago when flat-screen TVs were still a relatively new phenomenon. They're loaded across the building. Did I? I didn't own one. I still owned an old tube television set. Why? Because I monitor my spending. I'm conservative with my money. But when it comes to government, come the end of the fiscal year, we got to spend. Because, you see, if we don't spend this year's money, then in next year's budget, we don't get the same amount of money. That's a problem. Yeah, you'll get less. So they go in. Well, we we need more. We spend all our money. Now, next Mm -hmm. year, we need more. Go look at the budgets of various agencies. Go look to see whether they've gone up or they've gone down each year. They go up. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that these agencies can't save money. I think that the audit committee, Dan is chairing the subcommittee of the audit committee, for example, should be going through the budget line by line of every agency and determine, wait, you spent I'm not joking here, by the way, Dave. You spend $1,000 on this? Why just spend $1,000? That person over there makes a salary of a six-figure salary for doing what? I think every aspect of spending needs to be examined. And each of the agencies need to come in with specific, not, oh, well, we spend this amount on personnel. I don't care what you spend on personnel. I want to know the individual salaries for every person that works there, what degrees they have, what credentials they have, and what their job responsibilities are. And then we need to go across the board, across every agency in this state, and make sure, first of all, that we have what's known as comparable worth, that people are paid fairly across different agencies. And 
within agencies. They're paid fairly in terms of their individual salaries. Wait, why is that person making 20% more than another person with the same job title? Is that person married to somebody important? Is that person uh, um, a buddy of somebody important? In other words, is there cronyism and corruption in each of our state agencies? Oh, is that a former legislator? Let's look into that. There's a lot of that going on, too. I'll call that out the same way. I'll call out any other type of cronyism and corruption. It's time to clean up state government. And the way to do that is through the payroll. The same way they went after, oh, what's the name of the famous mobster that they got on tax fraud, right? Uh, Yeah, Al Capone. Thank you, Al Capone. They didn't get him on smuggling booze or drugs or other illegal activities. They got him on money. And that's the way we clean up inefficient and cronyistic and corrupt government agencies. Follow the money. I'm going to tell you what. People are listening to us today, and they're saying, you know, that makes a lot of sense. What you're saying makes a lot of sense. So why doesn't it happen? We'll talk about that when we come back. We've got to get another break in. Robert Steinbach, who's a law professor of Bowen School of Law, is with us today. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of Bowen School of Law, the university that they're attached to, but they should be. We've got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, nine minutes remaining here in this first hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. And I know that people say, Dave, you're talking wonky stuff and whatever. I hope it's been entertaining to you because your bank statement should be used to to further your life so that your life is the kind of life that you want to live, not necessarily uh, drawing out of other people's pockets uh, to do what it is that you want to do. Let's make it so that whatever money that you make and that I make, uh, we get to keep a great percentage of it. I, I think that is the way it should be. The government should not, as I always talk on the air about, should not get the first dibs on your money and being to use it for programs instead of you being able to put, you know, clothes on your kids, take care of a car, go on a vacation, feed your family, pay for your home. Those things That money should be there for you, not for the government. Government programs takes your money first and doesn't give a damn about what you want to do personally for your own family. That's something that everybody has to, you know, get in their minds. I'm not saying that we're not, you know, people who help other people. I think that's a good thing, but it should be done in a way that you make up your mind, you know, how you want to help people with how much money you want to help people, not the government saying, well, we need uh, another, uh, what, $200 million for a program that we can spread out to a small portion of our Kansan. No, no, that's not what government was ever intended uh, to do. Robert Steinbach is here with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, it's always good to have him along with us here uh, when we get together and and we talk about this, because these are the issues that are going to face Republicans over the next several years. Uh, We've got the numbers as far as Republicans that are in state government, but we want to make sure that the the Republicans that are in state government are adhering to the principles of the state Republican Party. And one of those major principles 
and we've got to make sure they understand uh, this is a major principle, is limited government. Limited government. And uh, it needs to be brought up. So uh, any time that uh, the party is deciding they have something they want to spend money on, they should be bringing that to their constituencies and making sure that uh, they're on board with it. You know what I'm saying, Robert? Hundred percent, hundred percent. That what has happened over centuries, two centuries, in the United States is that the the notion when the government began was that factions would compete, and so if you think about it, perhaps in overly technical terms, as a Venn diagram, that means overlapping circles. The things it was envisioned that the things that would come out of factions is where people overlap. Uh, Faction A wants this, A and B. Faction B wants uh, B and C. And so the outcome would be that they would get item B, where they both agree. But in reality, over the last 200 years, government has turned into horse trading. So uh, faction, uh, let me make it one, wants A and B. And faction two wants B and C. And they agree because they're now elected officials, let's do A, B, and C, and we'll buy off all of our electorate at the expense of future generations by mortgaging the United States. And that's why the debt and the deficit are so high. We need to change that's that. Correct. That's at the federal level in terms of debt and the deficit. But the state uh, doesn't generally run a debt and a deficit. But what it does do is it increases taxes. It increases what we pay. So remember, folks, when you pay taxes in Arkansas, you pay state taxes, you pay local income taxes, you pay sales tax, and you pay real estate. And you may say, oh, I'm a renter. I don't pay real estate. Oh, uh, guess what? You're paying real estate taxes because that's why your rent is so much. Your rent would be cheaper if the owner wasn't paying real estate taxes. So you pay every one of those taxes. And then you pay all of these so-called fees, which are just another form of taxation. You pay a fee when you register your car. Oh, I forgot the car tax. I own a car, and every year I pay to own my car. So I'm renting the car that I actually own. Very few states, by the way, have car taxes, but Arkansas has a car tax. Then you go and you sell your car, uh, and the person who buys the car pays a sales tax on that car after you already paid the government a sales tax on that car first time around. So they're collecting sales tax again. They are a giant tick on the back of the hardworking Arkansans. We have to reduce the taxation at every level of government. We have to reduce the size of government. We have to reduce the scope of government. And we must acknowledge, accept, and in fact applaud that government should do less, can do less, uh, and we need to be individualists making decisions for ourselves instead of being led by the nanny state. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you've done a very good job of, of breaking it down for everybody, Robert, because uh, people, you know, you go about your life and uh, you just pay what you're being told that you need to pay. Uh, Milton Friedman said the worst policy he came up with, with, uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, money went, taxation was uh, taking the money out of your payroll, 
taxes. That is an idea that Milton Friedman came up with. And he said, because what happened is that the average person looked at his his slip of what he was paid. And he said, well, that's my money there. The other is the government's money. He said, we, we have got to figure out a way to get away from people thinking that the government is, you know, should have that money part block, you know, and, and just take it. All right. When we come back, we got to get break in for news right now with Robert. We're going to switch uh, uh, gears and we're going to talk about critical race theory, which is a very important issue to talk about. Uh, Florida has just said you can't teach it in their schools. Here in uh, Arkansas, they fought this battle earlier this year at the uh, in the uh, 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 state legislature and uh, the powers that be that are out there uh, won by allowing 1619 and CRT to be to be taught. Make no mistake about this, these programs that they're teaching. They are false, they are lies, and they should not be taught in the schools of Arkansas. We'll come back, talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Last hour of this week, and we'll pick it up again after this hour. Next week at 6 a.m., Power Panel will be with me on Monday, and we'll have a lot of things that we'll need to talk about at that time with the president being over in Europe and things that are going on here in Arkansas, taking care of all the flooding that has happened in the state, uh, things of that nature. So we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday as well. But let's finish up today talking about something that I've been talking about over the last few months that I think is very, very important uh, here to our state and to the country as a whole, uh, and and that is uh, critical race theory. Critical race theory started with just critical thinking, something that began in uh, uh, Europe, in Germany, in fact, uh, back in the uh, early 20th century, and uh, to try to cut it down to an easy uh, uh, bite-sized morsel, it is a thought process uh, at, for which started in the early 20th century of what you saw happen in Russia with the Bolshevik Revolution, saying that you had uh, the people with that were doing the production and then the people who were working to make the production, and they were going to always, according to Karl Marx, always be at each other's throat. Now, it has now morphed uh, when they found out that uh, 
you couldn't just turn workers against against owners and and move forward uh, your political philosophy, which in this case was Marxism. You needed more people uh, to to buy into your philosophy. So what they did is they turned people against people, and by that I mean they made uh, they told uh, uh, people of color that they were basically being suppressed uh, or oppressed, and the oppressor was the uh, Western civilization white folks. Uh, we're the ones that were oppressing them. And then you have all these other groups that are out there. And so you divide and conquer is what you try to do. And it's the person who can go out there and get the most people from any uh, given group to join them. And you try to get as many people as you can from each of those groups. And then you have a really, really big group. And then they can tell all the other smaller groups what they got to do. And that's what's happening now. That is the attack that is going on now here in the United States. Now, here's here's the problem. Critical race theory, they've been getting it in. They've had it in the colleges since probably the 50s. Uh, they uh, now want to take it and put it in the high schools and put it into the uh, middle schools and even take it as low as the grade schools so they can totally, totally uh, use their propaganda uh, to change to make your child something that I'm sure many of you do not teach them uh, at home. Uh, let's face it: when it comes to public education, your school spends more time with your child than probably you do, and that is a problem. So, critical race theory now is under attack. Uh, here in uh, in Arkansas, but not by enough people uh, and not by freedom-loving people. And the same thing with the 1619 Project. In, yesterday in the state of Florida, they made it illegal to teach CRT. Now, I will tell you this. You may pass a law and say that you can't do it, but they need people to be monitoring, and that's the parents' to make sure that it's not happening. And then if it's happening, get it into the court systems and uh, those folks to be told, stop it and stop it now. So Robert Steinbach is still with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I know that he's concerned about what's being taught in academia. And, and I'm going to use academia in a much broader term today than I have in the past. Usually when I say academia, uh, academia I'm talking about universities, but this material now is being taught at the high school level, the junior high level, and just recently now they've been moving it into the uh, uh, elementary level. So your child is literally being taught, quote, the government way. The government wants to do it this way, so you need to do it this way. You don't have any independent voice any longer about what your children uh, should learn. So, Robert, uh, did I do a pretty good job of explaining, you know, critical thinking and how uh, critical race thinking uh, came into into being? They went from the worker and the producer. Now they're down to, you know, skin color. I think you did a terrific job, Dave. What's particularly important, as you highlight, is that this is going on through in K through 12. 
In K through 12, the curriculum is set by the community. And as a technical matter, meaning it's supposed to be set by the community. In reality, what happens is people defer to the schools and the teachers are leftists and the administrators are even more leftists. And so, and I've heard them, I've heard these K through 12 teachers talk here in Little Rock with just total leftist indoctrination. And these are not schools any longer. They're the old, uh, re-education camps of communism and they are indoctrinating our kids into leftist ideology and it's pure marxism it's saying one group is at odds with another group and that those descriptors those structures are inherent and we must uh, dismantle these notions of original Marxism was, as you said, workers versus owners. Well, those are facts. Some people own things, own uh, means of production. Some people don't own means of production uh, and work in the means of production. And, excuse me. And, of course, there's always crossover. So what? Whatever doesn't matter if you choose to do one or you choose to do another or the circumstances lead you to one or another. Uh, both are necessary uh, and both exist in a state of nature. That's it. If you uh, have capital, you seek to invest capital. If you have labor, you seek to use your labor and a combination of both. In fact, most people in America are both now, right? Because I, like you, Dave, our laborers, we work for organizations, but we also have, for example, 401ks. Well, those 401ks invest in uh, stocks. That makes us owners. Uh-huh. So we're both owners and workers. So there is no great divide. The new great divide that is seeking to be created by the leftists is, oh, you are this race or you are this sex or what they love now is what's called intersectionality, which just means more than one category. It's, it's a fancy word for an exceedingly basic concept. Oh, you're this race and sex. Well, that makes you better than that race and sex because that race and sex is, quote, privileged which is also a nonsensical they want claim. To, they want to oppress you. It's always about oppressors and the oppressed. That's what it always is. And when it comes to CRT, white people are the oppressors and everybody else is the oppressed. And I bet you, Dave, yeah. that the vast majority of your listeners who happen to be white uh, did not grow up in a, quote, privileged, end quote, environment. Oh, but you see, you're privileged inherently by being white. You tell that to the pipe fitter, the day laborer, the guy that uh, takes his shower at night, not in the morning. Uh, Tell that to your listeners who have spent their lives in the military, uh, in in law enforcement, uh, in, in the sanitation departments. Tell that to the people who every day go out and work hard for a living to put food on their table and to keep a a roof uh, over their heads. This is the false claim made by leftists. 
leftist. They try to attack you based on your skin color. They try to attack you based on your gender. And, you know, we used to have a word for that. It was racism. And you know what it is today? Racism. It ain't changed just because you change the color of the skin of the person that you're seeking to attack. And the left says, oh, you see, the the, um, white folks and other, uh, quote, privileged folks, end quote, uh, are bemoaning the fact that we're trying to remove their privilege. Well, I've just detailed to you and your audience something they already know that the vast majority of them are not privileged by any definition and you can dress it up with whatever fancy uh clothing you want to put on it but it's lipstick on a pig because the fact is that uh, whether you're white whether you're black whether you're a person of color uh, it doesn't matter uh, in terms of whether you're good or bad, morally sound or not morally sound. Uh, they're good and bad people in every group. And when you start attacking people based on their race, based on their gender, it is racism. It's race. It was racism yeah, when it absolutely. existed 200 years ago, and it's racism today. All right. With that thought in mind, let's get our, our uh, break in here for this half hour. And then when we come back, Robert and I will talk a little bit about how they're doing this in like high school classes. I want to talk specifically about something that I know went on at a school called the Privilege Walk. And I'll tell you what that is when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. We've got about uh, eight minutes left with uh, Robert Steinbach, who is our special guest on, on Fridays. You may be wondering where Chris Corbett is, who usually joins us as well. He's at a conference and uh, is not with us today. He'll be back next Friday here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, I I don't want to miss the Wednesday show of the Dave Ellswick Show because we've got, in the first hour, uh, we're going to have have, uh, Joel Johnson on. We're going to talk to him from PI Roofing. He's got a lot of interesting things to talk about, and I want you to hear uh, for a half hour some of the things that are going on with his company because he does it and he does it right. And uh, let's get back to what we were talking about, uh, Robert. We're talking about critical race theory. And I told I would give, I would would explain to people how they've massaged in this stuff, even in the high schools now Uh, and in, in, in uh, middle schools as well, they do this and it's called a, a quote privilege walk. Now, what does that mean? It means they take the children in a classroom and using a, uh, a set of questions, uh, ask the questions. And uh, if uh, the question applies to you, 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 you take it, let's say you take a step forward. All right. And if it doesn't apply to you, you take a step backwards. Uh, and so a- after all the questions have been asked, things like, uh, do you do you live in a home uh, where you have your own bedroom? Uh, does your father make over I don't know fifty thousand dollars a year? Uh, do you uh, have uh, uh, family meals uh, every week and and things of that nature? There's all kinds of questions they ask, and when they're all asked and you've and you've done your stepping forward and stepping back, when you get to the end of it you will have a divide between some of the students and some of the other students. And the students that are 
divided into the front of the classroom, those are your privileged class people. And the people that are in the back, they're the unprivileged people. And so they are the ones who are oppressed. In other words, the privileged people oppress the unprivileged people are the uh, are the uh, are, are the the oppressed. So you got the oppressor and the oppressed. I mean, it's it's typically mar- it's typical Marxism, is what you're hearing what you're hearing. But they they're doing this in the uh, in the classroom, and it makes the kids that are are up front feel terrible because they're up here, and the other kids that are in the back. There's nothing inherently wrong with being in the front. You know, your family may be working, you you know, your dad may be working two jobs so that you have more or whatever. Uh, You have a dad. Maybe somebody else doesn't have a dad. Here's the interesting thing, Dave. Um, You know, what's going before the Supreme Court right now is the Harvard uh, affirmative action case where certain minorities are given a huge leg up, a huge leg up, a huge increase in their points, shall we call them, uh, for admissions. And Uh I just wonder, Dave, if you go to one of these leftist indoctrination centers like Harvard and you ask them, okay, let's line everybody up and ask each of the participants, they may not know individually, let's ask the school, ask the school, which one of these participants got uh, an extra 200 points because of the color of their skin. That's it. For that reason alone, due to their race, and have that person step forward. You think they would put the person in the spotlight like that? You know they wouldn't. So that's a form of advantage, is it not, where someone based solely on the color of their skin gets 200 points added to their overall score. Now, the claim is made to be clear that that's designed to offset steps backwards. Of course, it applies often is the case to very well-off minorities who grew up in very uh, elite environment. So that claim at the individual level often fails as well. But regardless, even if they take two steps back due to individual uh, difficulties, uh, why are they not taking two steps forward to show that form of privilege? Because this is not designed to actually discuss all the factors that go in. It's designed to pursue a leftist ideology. It's designed to pursue indoctrination of students. That's what's going on in higher education and in lower education. By lower education, I mean K through 12 throughout America today. And we need to be on guard for it. And remember, academics are leftists. Administrators are even more leftists. And they do the hiring. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, Robert, simply this. They've taken this down uh, with kids that really do not understand what is being uh, taught to them by these uh, privilege walks and things of that nature, these examples that they try to show that certain people, even though it's all about working hard and uh, fathers being present and living in a house instead of an apartment and, and all the rest of the different uh, different things that they have to separate people, 
it's to make the person who's at the front of the classroom feel guilty for being at the front of the classroom. And that way they can control you. That's what it's all about. And they're doing that in, 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 they're doing it in middle school. They're doing it in high school. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's almost criminal. Uh, A colleague from another law school um, and I have written a paper uh, that's hopefully soon to be published. I say hopefully because these things always take longer than you like. Uh, And it details how the beneficiaries, I put that perhaps in quotes, uh, that many beneficiaries of affirmative action are actually harmed uh, in our case in the law, law school environment because you take people with lower scores and you bump them up, as I discussed, with a 200-point advantage, say, and they still have to take the bar exam. They still have to get through law school, and they are swimming upstream the whole time because they are thrust into an environment that is beyond their capabilities. And sure enough, the results for the latest bar exam in California came out, and there are huge disparities based on race, and that is a function of the fact that people are being led into schools because of affirmative action, very often is the case, on average, uh, that uh, uh, when they benefit from affirmative action, the result is that they... I have to to jump in, because we're out of time. Russ is ready to talk. Robert, I'll talk with you again next week right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you 25 minutes till, uh, what, 8 o'clock here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm getting ready to get on the motor coach here in just a few moments. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky right now, and will be making my way back to uh, Arkansas and Little Rock and then back to my house in Cabot, and then I'll be back in the studio on Monday with the Dave Ellswick Show with a lot of stories about our trip a lot of stories about, uh, you know, what's going on as far as politics go and things of that nature. And the power panel will join me. But right now, joining us is the guru of movies, the man who owns the uh, VIP cinemas across central Arkansas, Riverdale 10. Uh, the, of course, down at Hot Springs VIP cinema, Dabbitt VIP cinema up in Searcy, the VIP cinema there. And then over in Batesville, the Oaks uh, Theater and VIP cinema and that's Matt Smith. And Matt, how you doing today, brother? Good morning. Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. How? How? I, th- I well, guess your trip has gone well for you. Yes, it's been fantastic. Uh, everybody has had a fantastic uh, time and a good time. And it's always uh, nice to get away and uh, see some different things. And it's been a lot of fun. Kind of for me, coming back to Louisville, it's kind of like coming back to old stomping grounds because. It's where my mother was born. My brothers were born here. And um, my dad was from Charleston, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, it's I went to school at Moorhead State University here in Kentucky. So, uh, you know, yesterday when we were going to the Ark Encounter and stuff, I was uh, on expressways that I drove many, many times during the time that I was in college. So it was, uh, was kind of cool to see how things has cha- have changed. Spent yesterday on the Ohio River in the evening on, uh, you know, Bell Louisville and, and taking a paddle boat ride and having dinner on the paddle boat. Had a good time. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, it brought back a lot of memories for me. So I enjoyed it immensely. And then being able to do the show 
every morning has been great as well. So uh, getting together with the listeners, I you know haven't had a problem with that, and it's it's been a lot of fun, uh, Matt. It's been a great time. Let's Good talk deal. a little bit Good about deal. what what what's uh, what's happened at the movie theater. Okay, um, okay. Well, I tell you, we got something cool coming up this weekend. We've got an er- okay. early access screenings for the Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. And yeah, that I'm gonna is go going that, to be t- tomorrow. That's going to be tonight and tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, you'll be able to catch cool. that movie in Cabot. Uh, that's CabotVIPCinema.com. You'll be able to see it in Hot Springs, HotSpringsVIP.com. And, of course, at Riverdale 10 in Little Rock, that's Riverdale10.com. Special early access screenings at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Tonight and tomorrow night, June 11th, and then tomorrow, Saturday, June 12th, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. at those three theaters, uh, Riverdale10.com for more information on checking that movie out before anybody else gets to see it uh, in Little Rock, Riverdale10.com. So, yeah, be sure to come out and check that out. And, hey, tomorrow night you might want to catch that one in Cabot since you're going to be home. I'm going to be there. I'm going to go I'm going to go see it. i got to get a hold of Tyler and talk to him about it. But here, here's the cool thing about it. This has got – Two of the hottest stars, male stars, in movies uh, right now together. You got Samuel L. Jackson and you have Ryan Reynolds. Both of them are like nuclear hot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're happy to be able to do this special early screening. We're getting to do it at those three locations. Uh, Nice to be able to do that with Lionsgate Films. So be sure to check that out this Friday night if you're in the mood for an action movie. Now, of course, for the kids, we've got brand new today. Uh, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, PG, from Sony Pictures. And that's out, and that's good for the whole family. Take the kids, take the grandkids, go check that out. That's playing at all five locations, playing today. Uh, Also new today is In the Heights, PG-13, and that is from the same team that brought you Hamilton. Uh, It is a musical. uh, It's set in Washington Heights. Uh, Got the same creative team, writing team, uh, that brought Hamilton uh, to the stage and to the big screen. And, of course, In the Heights is playing at all five locations. And, of course, we are running our um, $5 movies uh, every Tuesday night. You can come check out all the movies for $5. And, of course, we've got free popcorn on Wednesday with the free popcorn bucket for everybody that buys a ticket. Um, all movies, $5 on Tuesday. And then, of course, we have our special Morning Kids uh, family film series every Monday and Thursday. Doors are at 1030. Showtime is 11 a.m. And, of course, when you come to those shows, popcorn's just a dollar and soda's just a dollar. Uh, that's every Monday and Thursday yeah, morning. Cool. Yeah, man. So yeah, we got a lot going on. You'll come out. A lot of cool out. movies. Yes, yes. So, you know, some, a lot of specials during the week. Of course, discount matinee showtimes are running seven days a week now. Yeah, I wanted to jump in and say that uh, the Heights and Peter Rabbit are doing uh, big business at the box office right now. Uh, Quiet Place 2 and uh, The Conjuring and The Devil Made Me Do It have uh, now started, uh, you know, losing uh, viewership because people have had a couple of weeks to go and see both of those movies, and both of them have done well. I think I think I saw the other day I was just kind of perusing the entertainment pages and saw where Quiet Place 2 has done uh, over $140 million since its initial opening. So 
uh, they got to be they got to be really happy with that. And I got to think that uh, John uh, is going to have to write another, a third one. And I thought the second one ended perfectly uh, for a final uh, sequel and yeah, maybe yeah. to finish off the story. Yeah. Third one has been approved, and they're going to make A Quiet Place 3. That's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. Uh, That's already on the books. And, you know, there's no magic to it. I mean, it's been the same for 121 years. You put a movie in the movie theaters that people have heard about, and they go to movie theaters to watch the movie. Wow, it's shocking. Yep. I mean, it's only been, you know, something that's worked for 121 years, right? So, yeah, that's know, all. yeah I mean, uh, people are going to the movies. I mean, uh, Cruella is doing business. Quiet Place 2 is yep. doing business. People are out seeing The Conjuring 3 and, of course, In the Heights and Peter Rabbit 2 and, hey, The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. So, yes, people are at the movies because there are movies in theaters that people have heard of. And there's just, there's just no magic formula to that, you know, if, if – um, Gavin Newsom and Cuomo, you know, get their foot up off the throat of local businesses in New York and California. People would go to those businesses when they're allowed to open. Imagine that. <laughs> shocking, man. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah, it is, really. I tell you what. It, and I it, tell you, Fast so and Furious 9, the Fast and Furious saga, uh, that starts Thursday, June the 24th, and the tickets are on sale now. So you can go to any of the websites and pick up your tickets for the Fast and Furious Saga, Fast and Furious 9. Yeah, let me, let me stop you there now. Let me stop you there because my promo yesterday was, what's the movie you need to buy your ticket for now? And it's Fast and Furious 9. If you want to see it on one of the nights that it opens on, you definitely need to buy your ticket now so that you can make sure you have a seat because that's going to be the hottest ticket at the end of the month uh, that's out there right now. Absolutely, yes. You're going to have to check that out. Those tickets are on sale. They've been on sale for a while. Be sure to check it out. Fast and Furious 9, The Fast Saga. It's PG-13, and tickets are on sale at all locations. And then looking forward just a bit, uh, tickets to uh, Black Widow go on sale this afternoon at all uh-huh. five locations. So just looking forward to those. You've got another movie. Yes, yes. That's another yeah. movie people are going to want to see. And the Fast and Furious 9, what's exciting about it is that uh, Dom, of course, uh, played by uh, the main man of the series, the bald-headed, uh, you know, crazy man, uh, he's Diesel. back again. Vin yeah, Diesel's he's, back. He's back. And Vin, uh, Vin Diesel is back. And uh, John Cena joins him in this one, and that's his brother. And they don't like each other. So it, it looks really crazy. Uh, looks kind of over the top. I've been waiting, and maybe you can uh, you can uh, tell us uh, why why uh, uh, Sarone is in it as well. She's back in this one as the villain. But let me ask the question uh, about uh, Hobbs and Shaw. They did so well on their first movie, that being, of course, uh, The Rock and uh, Statham. Have they uh, said when they're going to have uh, part two for them? I have not heard that. You would expect that. Uh, you know, the wheels of Hollywood are turning again, and you know, production is ramping up, and these movies that have been made and are in the can, so to speak, are getting released, and production is starting on new films. Uh, there's a great slate of motion pictures between now and the end of the year, and 2022 mm-hmm. will just blow the doors off. Uh, I expect 2022. I, I, I agree with you. 
Yes, it's going to be the best year, best year in the history of the box office. There's a lot of pent-up demand for people wanting to go and get out of the house. Um, you know, it, it just it, it's horrible when you have to sit at home and and watch that little tiny 40-inch screen. How sad, especially when the government forces yeah. you to do that. A lot of pent-up demand for people to get out of the house and go and enjoy themselves. And people are constantly telling us every day, we're so glad to be back. We're so glad you're open. We're so glad to be here at the movie theater. We're hearing that every day, all the time, at all the locations. Uh, And some great films between now and the end of the year. But 2022, wow. I mean, just the release calendar and the way things are stacked up there, it's going to be a tremendous year at the box office, no doubt about it. And, yeah, Hobbs and Shaw, Quiet Place 3, you can see all that coming down the pike as uh, production and filming ramps up again and gets to its – 2019 levels no doubt i'm with you all right so when we come back you're talking about uh, production you know ramping back up i'll talk about a movie that's uh went before the cameras this week and it's, i'm excited about it now that i heard that it's going to happen so uh, we'll talk about that when we continue matt smith is our guest and uh, we'll have that information for you in just a moment on the dave ellswick show All right, let's finish it up for uh, a Friday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Matt Smith is with us. He, of course, is the owner and, uh, you know, main bottle washer for Hot Springs VIP Cinema, Riverdale 10 at the bottom of Cantrell Hill, uh, Cabot VIP Cinema, the uh, Searcy VIP Cinema, and then up in Batesville, the Oaks and the VIP Cinema there. And uh, he runs great establishments. The food is great at these establishments. At several of them, you can buy adult beverages, which is a great opportunity as well. And he carries all of uh, the big movies as they come out. Plus, he's got reclining, uh, you know, reclining seats. He's got great sound systems. He's got bright uh, projectors. It's great. I mean, you can't go to better better theaters than what Matt Smith has. And I go to the Cabot VIP cinema uh, all the time. I'll be there tomorrow night. I'll be going to see the Hitman. I definitely want to see part two of that. The first one was really good. But I promised everybody I would talk about a new movie has gone before the cameras. It started last week, and uh, I saw it. And and in the back of my mind, I saw a fedora, and I heard, yeah, uh, the, they started filming uh, the uh, the fifth edition of uh, uh, Raiders, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one. This will be the final one with Harrison Ford. They won't be doing another one with him, from what I understand. Going to be nice. Going to be great. Now, hey, speaking of the greats, speaking of the greats, I got to throw this out there for you. Got a new movie today at Riverdale 10. Go to Riverdale10.com to check it out. Film's called Queen Bees. It's rated PG-13. It stars Mm -hmm. Anne Margaret, Christopher Lloyd, James Conn, Ellen Bernstein, (laughs) Jane Curtin, Loretta Devine. Holy cow. Queen you know, I don't know the last movie I saw Jane Curtin in. Yes, yes. Anne Margaret, Jane Curtin, Ellen Bernstein, James Kahn, and Christopher Lloyd. Queen Bees, PG-13, exclusively at Riverdale 10. Be sure to check that out. Um, the synopsis is, 
Helen is an independent widow who moves into Pine Grove Senior Community and discovers it's just like high school, full of cliques and flirtatious suitors. <laughs> what she initially avoids leads her to exactly what she has been missing, new friendships and a chance at love again with newcomer oh Dave. Directed by Michael Limerick. Yeah, be. A great review today in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Great review. I'm, so. I'm telling you, it'd be, it's going to be good to see Ann Margaret back on the big screen. But Ellen Bernstein, not Ellen Bernstein, Jane, Jane Curtin, yeah, Christopher Lloyd, Jane, Ellen Bernstein. Last movie, last movie that I remember, Jane Curtin was Coneheads. There you go. You got to check it out. That's going back. Great comedy. Yeah, I got to see that. Hey, there you go. You James Con and Margaret, come on, man, come on. Christopher Lloyd. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd. For people who don't recognize the actor's name, you know. Uh, James Conn played Sonny in the Godfather series. And then you've got uh, Christopher Lloyd. If, you, if you've watched any of the Back to the Future, he's the mad scientist that you always saw there. Of course, uh, uh, he was in Roger Rabbit and a lot of other movies. He's a great actor as well. And Margaret, I don't need to explain to you about that. And uh, Ellen Burstein, I don't need to talk about her all that much. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Great, great, great actresses and actors right there it, it that that unless the script is act and you know just complete crap which i'm sure it isn't or they wouldn't have done the the movie it's going to be a fantastic movie of course they, they don't need the money they're doing it because they want to right because they love getting on be getting up in front of the camera and yes. being somebody else exactly yes. you're exactly right Exactly yes. right, Matt. I'll, I have to, now, is that only at Riverdale? Only at Riverdale 10. It's Riverdale10.com. Uh, it's PG-13. Michael Limbrick directs. Got a great review in Arkansas Democrat Gazette today. Queen Bees. Be sure to check it out. Riverdale10.com. Right. I, I got some friends that I know, and I'm going to talk to them uh, when we get back. Maybe I can get over there and see that on Sunday. It would be a great one to see with that, that cast. It would be a great movie. All right, with all that said, why don't you bring up, uh, bring us up to date, take us through, uh, I guess, June and July at least, about the movies that are going to be coming up that people are going to want to see. Well, of course, you know, um, next week, Fast and Furious 9, The Fast Saga. On July 1st, Boss Baby Family Business. Also on July 1st, The Forever Purge. Uh, also on July oh, yeah. 1st, Zola from Area 24. July 9th brings us Black Widow. July 16th brings us Space Jam. July 23rd, Hotel Transylvania, Transformania. That's new on July 23rd. July 23rd also brings us Snake Eyes, uh, the G.I. Joe Origins movie from Paramount. Mm -hmm. Uh July 30th, Jungle Cruise from Walt Disney Pictures. July 30th, The Green Knight from Area 24 Films. And, of course, on July 30th, Matt Damon is in Stillwater. August, we have Suicide Squad on August 5th. Don't Breathe 2, August 13th. Free Guy, August 13th. Respect with Jennifer Hudson and, of course, it's the Aretha Franklin story. That is August the 13th. Uh, Candyman. Yeah. August 27th. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, Chicago, a man. 
stellar lineup of films this summer. Summer movie season is back. There's no doubt about it. Be sure to come and check us out. Riverdale10.com and Little Rock for Queen Bees and all those films that I just mentioned. Of course, it's CerseiCinema.com in Cersei. OaksVIPCinema.com in Batesville. HotSpringsVIP.com in Hot Springs. And CabotVIPCinema.com in Cabot. Luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating at all locations. And, of course, we're serving beer and wine in Little Rock Hot Springs and Cabot. Full food menus at all the cinemas. Discount matinees seven days a week. $5 tickets on Tuesdays. Free popcorn on Wednesdays. What else can we do for well, you? I'm, well, I'm I'm going to be up in uh, Cabot uh, tomorrow night to go see uh, the Hitman uh, yes, early and, and watch Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson and do their thing, but I'm really glad that you told me about this Queen Bees. I'm I'm wanting to see that movie. I'll be over to uh, Riverdale on uh, Sunday uh, to take that one in to see Anne Margaret and Jane Curtin and uh, Ellen Burdenstein and uh, everybody, James Conn and everybody else. I mean, that sounds like it's going to be a hoot. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. And then I'll see all my uh, or I talk to all my listeners again on Monday at 6 a.m at that time. Matt, thanks for joining us today. It's Thank always a you. pleasure to talk to you. You do it right, my man. Keep doing Thank it you. right. Riverdale10.com. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye now. All right, so Matt Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So now we've lined up for you for the next few weekends some great movies to go see. I'm kind of, I'm excited about Don't Breathe 2. Uh, Don't Breathe was a, one of those movies that they thought that it would do okay at the theaters, it turned out to do more than okay. It was a huge hit. So we'll see what part two has in store for us uh, here in the near in the near future. Uh, you may remember the synopsis is, is a group of kids break into a um, uh, you know a blind man's house that's, and they think they're going to steal his money and find out that they bit off more than they can chew. And the way it ended I won't bring it won't spoil it if you hadn't seen it you know watch the original uh and see the whole movie so you'll be ready and caught up so you can watch part two that's of course don't breathe with that said i'm done for the day and i'm getting ready to come home i'm looking forward to getting back to arkansas you know it's nice to go out and, and visit back to places that you've been but it's always best to get back home have a great weekend. I'll talk to you in the morning uh, during the uh, car and truck doctors and then 6 a.m. on Monday with, of course, the power panel. The Dave Ellswick Show. Have a great weekend, everybody.